Nations Inheritance Podcast, where we discuss God, the Bible, and God's purpose for your life. Be inspired and encouraged to engage in transforming the world around you. My name is Jason Holland, and I'm the president of Joshua Nations, and I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the Joshua Nations Inheritance Podcast. Our hope is that you would be challenged and encouraged as you listen with us that stories from the Word of God, testimonies from around the world, those things would be impactful, inspiring, and would challenge you to draw closer to God and deeper in a relationship with Jesus. Today I want to share with you uh, a message that is deep in my heart, really a challenge. And I hope that as you listen along that you'll be challenged through this special word that God wants to meet you right where you are and provide a miracle. Because of his love for you, he will provide. In John chapter 5 says, after this, There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man who was there who had an infirmity of 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. There are many people who are waiting and seeking, looking for answers. They have different problems, different sicknesses, different diseases. Some have been this way for many years, or even from birth. The man in this passage had been that way for 38 years. That's a long time. He was looking for a solution, just as you're looking for a solution. As people, we look for solutions that have been proven effective. However, sometimes those solutions are like the lottery. The chance of you getting the solution is really slim to none. 
In the midst of the many, there is always one. And the one is the focus. Now think about this passage for a moment. There's many people that are around this pool of Bethesda. They are all looking for solutions. They are all looking for healing. They are all looking for answers. Now, Jesus could have healed them all, but he didn't. He sought out the one. Sometimes we feel like we get lost in the crowd. We get lost in the midst of the chaos and everything that's going on around in the world, the difficult circumstances. But God wants to single you out because he loves you. He wants you to be the one, his one. And as he expresses his heart and his love for you, you are that one. Sometimes people unintentionally or intentionally, they become selfish due to their own personal situation. They look around and even though there's a crowd of people who are desperate for solutions and maybe their problems are not as bad as they look upon the situation from outside eyes. And it seems like these other people have become selfish and they, they siphon off the goodness, they siphon off the blessings or siphon off those miracles that we think should be ours. And unfortunately, we can sometimes become unintentionally selfish through this process. Now, there's no problem bigger than your problem. As I look around the world, especially during the season, and many people are struggling, many people are depressed, there are many who are starving, who are desperate for resources and provision. But when there's a problem in my own life or my own family, that really is the only thing that is my focal point. I am unintentionally selfish because that problem directly affects me. Now you probably have a similar situation. You can look around the world and you can see incredible difficulty, incredible problems, people who are sick and diseased, people who are hungry, who are lacking resources. But when you have a personal problem, even within your family, that is the most important thing to you at that time. The good news is, is that you are the most important thing to Jesus. Because of God's omnipotence and omnipresence, he doesn't single out just one. He singles us all out as one, not as a collective, but as individuals. See, God is that big. He's that powerful, that strong, that loving, that we each get the treatment of one because he wants to invest in each one of us individually. He loves us that much. He would give Jesus just for you as one. The one is you. The one is me. Each one of us are like this man sitting at the pool of Bethesda, waiting for that miracle, that healing, that stirring, that provision to intervene in our lives. We are this man. And Jesus loves to single out that one. And the good news is we are always his one. We are always his one. And that brings a smile to my face. It delights my soul to know that I am always, always his one. Sometimes the questions that come from God seem kind of silly. 
I love in this passage how Jesus says to this man, do you want to be made well? I could almost imagine this man sitting there or laying there with a smirk on his face thinking, are you crazy? Of course I want to be made well. Jesus knew the answer. In fact, everyone around this man knew the answer. But sometimes God asks questions like this, or he'll put us in a situation to see if we become comfortable with our situation, or if we are willing to extend our faith once more. So let me ask you, or challenge you, are you comfortable in your current situation? Are you happy the way you are? You may say, no, I'm miserable. I'm, I don't want to stay this way. But when presented with an opportunity to extend your faith, a radical extension of faith, a leap of faith, are you willing to do it? And if not, then you have become comfortable with your present situation, even if you don't like it. You have become comfortable to be miserable. There's so many people that are comfortable to be miserable. They do not want to extend their faith, take a radical leap of faith, and ask God in faith to change it. Do you find fulfillment in your own self-pity or others giving you pity? Are you willing to be put in an awkward or uncomfortable situation to receive the breakthrough that you desire? Boy, this man was put in an awkward situation. He was healed and he was immediately confronted by the Pharisees because he's carrying his bed. Sometimes people will challenge us. They will challenge our faith. They will challenge us as we extend our, our hand, reaching out for that miracle provision. But when they look and they see us stretching out in faith, they're thinking, what is this person doing? Look how crazy they are. What do they think God is going to meet them right there? He hasn't fixed this problem. He hasn't brought the solution. He hasn't provided the miracle in 38 years. What makes them think that it's going to happen now? But it is the time. It is the time. The time is now. You are the one. God is saying, stretch forth your hand so that I can meet your needs where you are. It's awkward, it's uncomfortable, it's difficult. It's a radical step of faith, but that is the kind of faith that it takes to see the breakthrough that you desire. Many times our first reaction to God is an excuse. And sometimes that excuse is valid, but sometimes it's just an excuse. What's your reaction? As you're listening to this and you're being challenged, hopefully the Holy Spirit is convicting you in a good way. But what is your reaction? What are the emotions that are happening inside of you? What would your answer have been if Jesus asked you a question like this? It should be a resounding, yes, I want to be made well. Or would you respond with a smirk on your face or in your heart and say, God, you know what I want. Why haven't you done something? Sometimes a solution is more simple than we can imagine. Now this man laying at the pool of Bethesda was waiting for the angel to come and stir the water and for him to try to get into the water before anybody else. That seems not only awesome, but really difficult, especially if you have a problem moving. So don't try to complicate things. Sometimes God just wants to do something very simple when God speaks something to you, it's just 
an action of faith to receive it. You must say yes and nothing more. Sometimes he holds something out to you by his hand. And all you have to do is, by your hand, reach out and receive it. Do not try to negotiate with God when he's working to perform a miracle for you. Don't do it. Just do what he says. Just receive when he offers. Just believe. It's an activation of faith. God is working on your behalf. Receive it. This man did exactly what Jesus told him to do. He picked up his bed and he walked away. Upon receiving this miracle, the man didn't even know who it was that healed him. He didn't say, sir, what are your qualifications? Where did you come from? Are you a prophet? Are you a rabbi? Uh, who do you think you are? He just said, oh, <laughs> I receive it. Of course, we don't see that in scripture, but he received the miracle, picked up his bed and he walked away. There is no further dialogue that we know of. Not too long after this man encountered Jesus and discovers who healed him, Jesus confronts the man's earthly nature and tells him to sin no more. When we encounter Jesus, our desires should change. Our obedience should change. When Jesus comes into our life, our whole, uh, our, our whole worldview, our perspective on life should change. It goes from one way to a, a new way, a living way, a way that lines up with a lifestyle that honors Jesus. That encounter with Jesus. And, and I, let me challenge you in this. Every day have an encounter with Jesus. As you begin your day and throughout the day, spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer. Commune with Jesus. He is always there. He is always with you, and He wants to spend time with you. And through this process, your desires will change, and you will become more obedient as you spend time with Him. You'll find that you look more like Him, you act more like Him, and your life will literally splash over in the Spirit, and it will affect people around you. It will draw the lost to, uh, to Jesus, and it will have this, this washing, this cleansing effect, because people say, oh, there's something different, I know I want some of that, and that happens because you had an encounter with Jesus. This man encountered Jesus. His earthly nature was confronted. His sin was confronted. And his desire and his attitude and his, his whole worldview and the way he went about his life changed. One thing I want to show you here, though, is there was no prerequisite for his healing. He was healed because God loved him. God wants to meet your needs because he loves you. He's singling you out right now because he loves you. When we receive his provision, our heart and nature should change and reflect and reciprocate his love. He does this because he loves you. And we love him because he loves us. Persecution, accusation, discouragement comes when we think and we act biblically. So let me tell you this. As you follow after Jesus, as you extend your faith, as you allow him to transform you, not only will it transform those who are around you, but you will also draw the attention of the enemy. You will draw the attention of those who hate Jesus. 
discouragement may come, accusation may come, persecution may come, attack from the enemy may come. When we act biblically, it's, it's operating outside the norm. And that's a good thing. The Bible tells us to be in the world, but not of the world. We should look different. We should act different. We should be a blessing. We should be forgiving. We should be ones that extend love and hope. During this difficult season in the world of COVID-19, we should be the ones that are reaching out and being generous to those whom we can reach. But today, you may be the man sitting in need with no obvious solution. You may be the one looking for a miracle of provision. You may be looking for a super, supernatural intervention, a healing. That may be you. And God is singling you out today. You may be someone on the outside looking in. You may be complacent or even negligent in helping someone that needs to be connected with their provision. As I review this story, I can only think about all those people who are around this man. How many people were there and saw him for days, weeks, months, maybe years? We don't know how long he was sitting at the Pool of Bethesda, but it, clearly it was a long time. And no one helped him. No one helped him. There was a miracle just maybe a few inches or a few feet away from this man. It was right within his reach. And I can think, oh, how sad he must have been, how desperate he must have been, how lonely he must have been. And sometimes we are in the same position where we see the miracle and it's just out of reach. It's like if we could just have a little push, a little nudge, someone to help us extend another couple inches and we will have that miracle of provision. Oh, but he didn't have it. You might be that someone on the outside looking in. Maybe you've been complacent or even negligent in helping that friend, that neighbor, that coworker, or someone you don't even know to be connected with their provision, to be connected with that miracle. Today, you may be the hands and the feet of Jesus, not just the person to help someone in need, but the person who can offer the answer. The man at the pool, the people near the man watching complacently, and the miracle provider. These are the different characters in the story. Which character are you? Who are you? Are you in need of a miracle? Are you watching as things happen and you are negligent or complacent? Or are you the person who can be the hands and feet of Jesus and extend the provision, extend the healing, extend the miracle? No matter what person you are, no matter what character you are, wherever you are today, God is seeking you out. He is singling you out because he loves you. He wants to connect with you and he wants to challenge you to go from one place to another. So let me ask you today, extend your faith. Allow God to move you from one place to another. Today is your miracle day. Today is a day of transformation. Today is a day where you draw closer to him. Today is a day where you reach into your pocketbook and you help out a friend, a neighbor, or someone you don't even know who's in need. I pray that this word from John chapter 5 has been a challenge to you. That no matter what your position is in, today that God will intervene in your life and draw you closer to him because he's a miracle working God. So let me ask you, 
the same way we began this segment. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Today, make a decision for Jesus. Draw close to him and he will honor you. Obey him and he will use you. Extend your faith and he will meet you where you are. Father, we thank you that you have given us this word in John chapter 5. And we see how Jesus healed the man who is laying at the pool of Bethesda. We pray that today you would use us in whatever way possible. We pray that you would meet all of the needs of those who are listening, provide healing, provision, and supernatural miracles. We thank you for it. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have you ever wanted to get up close and personal with nature? For me, I have a healthy respect for nature and often do not want to interfere with it, typically for a good cause. Each time I'm encouraged to have an encounter with nature in an up close and personal kind of way, I'm always reminded of Steve Irwin and others like him who've paved the way for premature death while messing with creatures and critters that ought not to be messed with. Yet, I'm not one that is afraid of adventure and excitement. So sometimes the opportunity of a lifetime looks too good to pass up, and I dive in head first to experience something new, something exciting, and even something thrilling. Often, I don't have to seek out these kinds of opportunities. Just the typical course of my life has given me more interesting and intriguing things to consider, try, and experience than the average person. While in the nation of Zimbabwe, I had one of these rare opportunities pop up. Well, some opportunities really are rare, and this was definitely one of them, and I could not pass it up at a magical place called the Antelope Park, located in Zimbabwe. I was given the chance to walk with lions. That's right, lions. Now, I've been on safari in East Africa several times, been able to see lions in the wild doing all kinds of interesting activities from hunting, mating, playing, and even sleeping. But never could I have imagined such an experience as being able to be with lions without the protection of a large off-road vehicle a Maasai warrior as a guide, and safari rangers with large caliber rifles. You might think I'm crazy and perhaps I'm a little bit crazy. Sure, I'll give you that. But I can assure you it's a good crazy and not the kind that brings mass hysteria. Given the opportunity of a lifetime, I decided to pounce on it. <laughs> you like that? Being a bit of an adventurous soul, my wife, Anna, was also up for the experience. Her and I, along with several other people, were given a, a short training session on what to do what not to do during the hour-long ordeal. As we prepared ourselves, the park rangers directed us to a waiting area that would serve as our training ground. Sitting on a bench that was constructed of two tree stumps and a plank stretched across, we all waited anxiously. Our guide arrived just a few moments later and in a nonchalant tone began to welcome us and explain the responsibilities and the risks. We learned that the lions we would walk with were essentially teenagers that had been rescued for some reason or another. These teenagers are being trained so that they can be released back into the wild. Our walk on this day was a walk that they did every day as a tool to teach these young lions to hunt. Yeah, you heard that. It was at this moment I had a mental pause. I'm thinking to myself, wait, what'd you say? We're going out with teenage lions that are being trained to hunt? Don't you know that we are all slow-moving food items in the eyes of these wonderful beasts? My mind protested at the thought of the upcoming experience, but the adventurous spirit in my 
in my body, in my mind, in my soul, it won the battle because, hey, who, who can give up an opportunity to walk with lions? I mean, really. Our guide continued talking as my mind re-engaged with her speech, knowing that whatever she was telling us was probably important since these are giant meat-eating machines. As my mind tuned in again, she directed all of us to stand up, walk over to a wooden box that contained a variety of long sticks that looked like good African walking sticks. Wondering if there was some kind of Zimbabwean magical power that made these sticks special, I picked one up, inspected it, and then continued this process over and over until I found a stick I thought was suitable. Proper length and girth were important, as I'm not a small person and neither are these lions who would potentially be on the other end of the stick. Thankfully, I found a bit of humor in the whole situation. Who am I to think that one of these sticks is adequate defense against a moody feline? Once I selected my stick, we re-engaged with the guide and listened to what she was saying. What I thought would be the equivalent of Mr. Miyagi training us to ward off the evil perpetrators with these Zimbabwean sticks of wonder, as you can imagine, I was disappointed with the following demonstrations. She explained that the cats are sometimes a bit rebellious and playful, but they should not be feared. Like a typical house cat, they can become a little bit moody and cantankerous. All of us nodding our heads in agreement, she said then, if the lion seems to be feisty, raise your stick in the air and loudly and authoritatively say no. She demonstrated by lifting her stick a couple feet off the ground and then sternly saying no while pointing with her stick at an imaginary cat about waist high. Wait, are you for real? Talking to these cute monsters like a two-year-old is going to keep them in line? You gotta be kidding. Nevertheless, I was not going to bail out on this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Onward, I would go. A few final formalities of instruction and we all loaded into a safari-style truck and began our drive. Bumping down the dirt road, we reached a ridgeline with a small wooden bridge that crossed over a sad excuse of a creek. Myself, my wife, and several other of our group lumbered out of the large vehicle onto the ground and then received the final instructions before opening a small gate, crossing the wood-planked footbridge. One thing to note, the guide said never turn your back to a lion. Doing this could instigate something you will regret. As I recall, the group of us was quite small, only seven or eight people, I think. Funny enough, there were four or five Americans, which were from our group, and then a family of three Chinese people. Quite comically, the Chinese people didn't speak a lick of English and therefore were constantly doing all the things our guides told us not to do. Several times, one of the Chinese ladies began to wander off too far from our group, making her easy prey. As you can imagine as well, when she was wandering off, she also had her back to the group and subsequently her back to the lions. For a bit, I was almost wondering if she was going to become the next YouTube viral sensation. Following a few minutes of pictures with the lions, I must say they're unbelievable pictures. It was absolutely incredible. We began a hike. Our guides leading the way, our group of eight along with the four lions began down a narrow path. Like any reasonable human, we were all walking with a bit of fear and trepidation. It was surreal. Walking with four lions right next to you, literally rubbing up against you on occasion, was something I will never forget. Moments like this are the ones that get etched in your mind permanently and will be the stories you tell your friends, children, and grandchildren. Moving down the path and stopping occasionally as the lions would become distracted for some moment or 
for just uh, a few seconds, they would choose to sit or lay down for seemingly no reason. We struck up some small talk with our guides. We didn't want to distract them from their job of protecting us, but we also wanted to be as cordial as possible. About 30 minutes into our adventure, our guides shared more about their daily walks and their practice hunts. It was just about that time that one of the female lions saw something move in the bushes. Focused and intent, she took off with a burst of speed and agility that quite literally made our hearts skip a beat. Not knowing exactly what was going to take place, you immediately knew that if one of us were the target, all would be over so very quickly. Thankfully, though, one of our guides explained that the lioness had spotted a large lizard scurrying in the distance. Game on. Lion versus lizard. This is what Animal Planet videos are made of, right? <laughs> no, not really. But it was still exciting to see the lion dash in and out of the high grass and bushes coming in and out of our view. Our team continued walking along the path at the encouragement of our guides. Only about 30 yards ahead, we came upon a small creek with large rock formations and a trickly stream of water. Of course, these river rocks were nothing too large an average person couldn't handle. At this point, I was at the head of the group and the guide pointed to a particular position ahead and encouraged me to lead the way. Just at that moment, I saw the previously hidden lioness dart out from the bushes. Being in great shape from doing quite a bit of trail running over the past few years, I decided to move quickly across the rocks so I could capitalize on this incredible photo opportunity. In my mind, I was thinking if I can get up there and capture this moment before the rest of the team makes it up, then my picture would even be more incredible without all of those white faces. Even the worst amateur photographer wants to capture the most natural looking scenes as possible. Camera in hand, boldness to go where no man has gone before, and the confidence of my agility, I darted from rock to rock. Overconfident, an exhilaration swept through me like a flood. I was chasing a lion up these rocks and hoping to get a moment with just her and I. It's what dreams are made of, right? Just then, as I thought my footing was sure, as I attempted to scale a steep rock, the tread of my everyday shoes, not my trail running shoes, had gotten wet and my foot slipped right out from underneath me, slamming my left shin into the rock with substantial force. But like a man, I pulled myself up. I winced, I moved up on the rock while proclaiming, I'm fine, I'm fine. In just another moment, a couple seconds, I made it to the top. Still wanting to snap a few photos, I glanced down and noticed a small trickle of blood running out of my shin. A large thumb-sized lump protruding from my shin. Ouch, I thought. While I'm taking these photos, maybe three or four photos, I look down again. And the lump was no longer the size of a thumb, but was now the size of a golf ball. Ouch, that really hurts. Refocusing on taking some more photos. And by the way, the photos truly are incredible. By then, my group had all made it up. They were now cluttering up my perfect photos. The gorgeous lioness had finally decided to lie down on the top of the rock to sun herself. So picturesque, it felt like we had walked into a real-life version of a scene from Lion King. She was gorgeous. Trying to enjoy the moment, but now being distracted from the prevailing throb in my left shin, reluctantly I looked down again, and much to my dismay, the swelling had continued and was now the size of a baseball. I'm not exaggerating. It was at this point that I began to wonder if I had more than a contusion, but maybe even a chip or a fracture of my left tibia. 
becoming more and more concerned in my own mind, I was reluctant to share this with my wife and friends. Our guides were expressing their concern and began to offer their help for me to walk. Now, like a man, I politely refused their help and painfully walked the rest of the journey with as little expression on my face as possible. Recalling some biology and study of animals, I knew that if I showed pain, the lions might decide that I would be their next meal. <laughs> no, not really. I was not really concerned about that, but I would be lying if the thought didn't cross my mind at least once. So what should I do besides get ice, elevate my leg, and try to rest so that it would recover? I need a story that fits the pain and discomfort. While all the details are true, I thought to myself, what else would make the story awesome and worth the ensuing agony? A great title, a great headline, that's it. I'll call it The Time I Chased a Lion. What's the moral of the story? I don't know if there is one, but I can tell you that life is exciting. Sometimes you have to run forward, be a little bit confident, maybe a little bit overconfident, and sometimes it hurts. You'll make a mistake, you'll fall, but get up, move on, because life is an adventure. Thank you for joining us today for the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the messages today by Jason Holland. If you'd like to know more about the ministry of Joshua Nations, please check out our website, joshuanations.org. Also, if you'd like to know more about the Joshua Nations Inheritance Prayer Movement, please check out that website, prayer.joshuanations.org, for more information. Thank you again, and please join us next time for the Joshua Nations Inheritance Podcast. We hope you have a blessed day.